Hey everybody, this is Brother Frank on the Remnant Call. Glad to have you here on another episode tonight. Uh, I'm excited. I've got a special announcement because I got a special guest right here in my house. But before I say that, I want to mention last week's program, The Fog of Babylon. Listen, folks, if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, please uh, go back and listen to it. And many people have asked and even commented before, why is there not more subscribers to The Remnant Call? Um, well, you know what? It's always been a remnant. And, uh, you know, I don't always know, but I know one thing's for sure. God's got you listening to this program for a reason. You could be listening to any other show out there, and there's other great shows, but you're listening to this show for a reason. We don't sell out. We don't sell anything. We simply just speak the truth in order that more people will know who Jesus Christ is in his second coming, and it's so important. In this hour that we were very clear and concise on our message, we don't have time to waste. You know that if you're listening to The Remnant Call, and we need to be very specific in this moment. And so so tonight, with that in mind, I've got a special guest, as I just said, I've got my father, the original Brother Frank. Actually, the original Brother Frank is in the grave. This is Brother Frank Jr., and I'm technically Brother Frank the Third. Um, but I am glad to have my dad here with us. Dad, can you say hello? Good evening. I'm really glad to be here with you, Frankie. All right. Well, that's Frankie. So you just heard it right there first. That's what the family called. Now now it's going to be Brother Frankie. Thanks, Dad. You let the cat out of the bag. Couldn't help myself. All right. Sounds good. Anyways, glad to have you here, Dad. And we're going to pray for a moment. And folks, uh, we're just going to take a few moments. This is off the cuff. This is not scripted, anything like this. We're going to ask that the Spirit of God would lead us uh, in a few moments of just some raw back and forth uh, of what took place that led um, to where we are today. And I think it's important because it will be a defining factor uh, for many people to know and understand what the power of God truly is in this last hour. So, Dad, I'm going to ask, could you open us up with a word of prayer? Absolutely. Dear Father in heaven, we we come before you humbly. We could be so many places do many, doing so many things, but we are uh, honored, Lord, to stand in your stead tonight and speak of you. We ask that your Holy Spirit would be poured out in the families, the friends of everyone listening to this program, Lord, because we know with your Spirit leading that truth can be heard, can be understand, understood. Father, please bring us closer to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dad, for that. Um, folks, I want to talk a little bit tonight um, briefly on generational curses. And you might think that that's maybe something for fool, foolish things or fairy tales, or that's just, you know, biblical conspiracy, hocus pocus. But it is a, an absolute true thing about generational curses. It's in the Bible. If you're not familiar with the Ten Commandments, that's where I want to turn to right now in Exodus chapter 20. And I want to start in the fourth verse of Exodus chapter 20. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. 
Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Now, that's a very interesting statement, hate me. What does it mean to actually hate God? Well, that's a that's a very uh, another program in itself. But if you kind of remember that saying, you're either if you're not for Him or you're not for me, you're against me. And one of the biggest, I think, Dad, for me, the lies was in life is that I'll get right with God later. Um, I don't hate God, you know, running around and doing some of the things I was doing in life, and I kind of had myself deceived and. Um, into kind of tricking myself almost in a way that I wasn't a bad person. And I didn't know that this verse had meaning specifically to my family uh, in particular. And and folks, we're going to be kind of straightforward. We're not going to get into my whole uh, dad's past testimony and my and everything about my testimony specifically. But we want to talk about this. Um, dad, you know, you had came from a, a childhood uh, that was broken at a young age, and you you remember that uh, what it's like coming from a broken home. Oh yes, I do. When I was uh, seven, my dad left home and he never came back. The next time I heard from him, I was eighteen years old. Now that was in Texas back, and and you went from having kind of a really nice everything. Your dad was an oil man, and uh, to all of a sudden you were eating beans. I mean, you didn't have anything at all. That's right. And that's pretty traumatic, and there was five of you, correct? And you were the oldest. That's right. My dad left uh, with my mom with five of us. Uh, He didn't pay the mortgage payment. We lost the house, had to move out of town to a very small bungalow down the road about 30 miles or so. And, um, And he came to see us one time when we were there. But he never did give my money, my mother any money along the way to, for support or anything, these kids. And she had just been having children. She really hadn't been out in the workplace. So she was, uh, you might say, totally destitute financially. So that was back in the day when a man could just leave home and never come back and get away with it. And, and, and so we, we had a dynamic there of my grandfather, which we, thank God, were in Texas when he passed away. We I had uh, had a chance to visit with him. Um, we had had a chance to talk to him. He had found the Lord. And, uh, Dad, you remember you and I went down to the church he was attending, and he he uh, he had had a really rough life. Um, he had been and spent time in the bars. Matter of fact, do you remember the funeral they were talking about? He'd even been in some shootouts back in Texas in the day. You remember that, Dad? We talked to Pastor Max. You remember Pastor Max? Yes, I do. And he was. Um, he said to us, "You know, your dad had been seeking God, and your dad told me that he had been." A juvenile delinquent until he was at least 50 years old and and I wondered what it meant to be a juvenile delinquent well one of the definitions is you think about yourself almost totally you do everything for yourself you're first you're f- and foremost in your life and you usually live just by your emotions and what feels good to you at the moment yeah, and and the stories were wow they were wild but the good news was is that 
we found out not knowing truly the end of my grandfather's life, and all we wanted was him to know the Lord, to have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, and to come to find out. I remember the pastor was telling us that he kept calling him up there and asking him and saying, are you sure there's room up there for me? In heaven. In heaven, because he didn't, he didn't know if he, he, he thought maybe he was too bad. Yeah. And and uh, the good news is is that he was seeking the Lord, and so he passed away, and we got the assurance to know that in his last time on this earth, he was searching for God, and 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 that's all I wanted to know. Amen. Uh, even though I, he wasn't there growing up all those years, and, and it was amazing how. Come to find out later, some of the same things he had done, I had done. He was in the rodeo. I didn't even know I was in rodeo. Uh, just interesting things like that. And and I never even knew the man. I met him one time at a. We were on our way to a, a reunion in Texas, and uh, and then I met him one other time um, when he came up to see Calvin and um, in the hospital. Remember that? And uh, so, anyways, uh, go ahead, Dad. You know. Uh, it was not until I was a little bit older, uh, I would say in my late 20s or so, that I began to learn about uh, what my dad had been doing and how he lived and the way he conducted his life. And maybe I should say that was even in my early 30s. But what I realized is that many of the things that he had done, I did. I had committed many of the the the. Uh, uh, lifestyle sins that he had and I didn't even know he had but I had repeated his actions and uh, and it was very sobering to me when I realized that and then later on I came to know that in fact you Frankie had done some of the same very same things yeah well and, and it's interesting because your father did not raise you no now, my uh, dad was divorced from uh, when I was in kindergarten from my mother. And um, so even though I saw you on the weekends uh, growing up, you know, you always made good effort. I can always say my dad always tried, it would, no matter what, to come get me and pick me up. Uh, until later on in life when um, my dad really had had a conversion and really started seeking the Lord. And then the only times I didn't really want to see dad was uh, he just wasn't as fun anymore because he wanted to go to church and try to do the right thing. And I really wasn't interested in, in that growing up. Remember dad, how mad I'd get you. You didn't approve of my music. I threw it out the window and everything else. Let me tell you about that story. We were traveling down to that reunion that he referred to. Uh, no, excuse me. It was out West to Missouri and he was playing some music and I I felt it wasn't really good music, and so I told him, let's turn it down. And then uh, he he turned it back up. He was mad, and we'd ride a little further, and I said, no, that's too much. I'd turn it down. Pretty soon he got mad, popped the cassette out of the player, opened the window, and threw it out. And he crossed his hands and put his head back in the seat and just sat there with his with his jaw up and his lip kind of sticking out. But you know something? He's a good guy today. There's a lot of time between those, but uh, there's rough times with families. There's a lot of headaches and a lot of dad laying down one, you know, from me and my uh, sister, all the things we got and got into and uh, did wrong. But you know what, uh, dad, I'm always thankful for the times that after your conversion um, that you didn't put up with the things and tolerate that I was doing. You loved me. 
but you never tolerated nor gave into it. And honestly, I hated that at times. But looking back now in life, I wouldn't trade that for the world. Because the problem we're running into today, Dad, is there's no standard anymore. There's nothing by which people to live in, and yet you stood against that. Listen, I mean, not to sugarcoat it, but like Dad said, uh, without going into detail, and, and things are painful in the past, but he had went through a lot of the same things in growing up his childhood. And listen, folks, we all have dysfunction. If we often say if it wasn't for dysfunction, we wouldn't really have any function at all. But um, you know, Dad, we there was a there was a defining moment when you had that change around. I can even remember it. Yeah. Let me add in something about my father and then and then I'll speak to that. Um, You know, my father was at home so little that when I went to visit him about six months before he passed away, he was still working full time. He was in his mid 70s and uh, he still get up about four o'clock in the morning, be out on the road. He was in the oil business and get home about six, seven in the evening. And I spent four days with him. And one of the interesting things is that in that four days, I spent more time with him than I had the previous 40 years. That's how little I saw him. But yet when I was there, I had already gone through asking the Lord, begging the Lord to allow me to forgive my father. Because it used to be several years before I started asking God to give me that help. If you had asked me about my dad, by the time I got done telling all the terrible things about him, talking him down, you were so sorry you ever asked me. You would never ask me about my father again, ever. But I finally got to the point I wanted to forgive him. And I, want, and I, and I hadn't even been talking to him for years. But the Lord gave me, was gracious enough to give me the ability to forgive my father. So when I went down to visit him, I had all of this garbage in my backpack but it wasn't on me anymore. It was just back in the pack. And I looked at him while I, was at, while I was there visiting him. And I said, Dad, I only came to see you really for one reason. And he said, what's that? I said, well, you know, I don't really know you. And he was quiet. He didn't say anything. I said to him, but I wanted to come and hopefully connect with you on spiritual matters. He was a little taken back, and he says, I'm glad you did. When I was leaving him and I gave him a hug, when I was heading back home, I said, Dad, I want to see you in heaven. And he said, Son, you can count on it. To me, those are only a few words, but they are so packed that they give me hope. Of course, God's in control, and I want God's will, but I look forward to hopefully seeing him. I believe it. Amen. And, and, uh, so, and and then dad, I I can remember, um, that specific defining time when I realized later in life that you had made a change. Um, there was, you know, there was no, uh, there was no, you know, sketchy beverages around the house. There was nothing anymore. Now all of a sudden you're going to church all the time. People are over at your house. You're singing, having a good time, smiling. And, and I can remember me and, you know, my sister's here too. I should, wish I could have got her down here, but she just got in. Uh, we're like, what's happened to these people? Well, I'll tell you what happened. They found Jesus. And, uh, but at the time I didn't like it. So I, as I got older, I didn't want to go up as often because I wanted to do what I wanted to do. Now I had not known the full extent of all my father's past. I had not known. Now I knew my father very well. That was the difference between 
your dad and you and me and you. I knew you well. But I didn't know the full extent of everything in my dad's life. And I definitely didn't know all the things that happened in my grandfather's life. Little did I know, though, I was doing the exact same things from Frank Sr. to Frank Jr. And it was an amplification in my life to an even higher level uh, of and, and folks, I, I'm I'm going to do my conversion story again. I did it years ago. You can see Return of the Prodigal Son about my life of drug addiction and and uh, abuses like you can't believe um, it, because I was in rebellion. But Dad, I want to kind of bring it down to that moment of the generational curses. Now, prior to my conversion, and folks, I want to just I'm going to share just a bit of that in a moment here. You had gotten together because of your sister had mentioned some things in the Bible to you that had gotten you thinking about praying with other families about the things being passed on to their children. I remember you mentioning it to me later about how Job would make sacrifices for his children and how that the generational curses and this desire to want to repent for the things that you passed on, because it was obvious that there had been a generational passing of three different people who were not necessarily in each other's lives always that's right what what took place well my sister had pointed out to me about job and she pointed out to me about intercessory prayer and i had read the same scriptures before but she she said frank we god gives us the privilege to intercede for someone else you know when we when we pray for someone else, we are doing this with the opportunity, <clears throat> excuse me, to intervene. And, and what happens is that we can pray to ask the Lord to show us what sins we have passed on to our children. Or we can even go so far, and sometimes we'll have to do a real Bible study on this, but I'm doing a summary right now. We can even ask the Lord to show us what sins have been passed on to someone else that's not a direct descendant or a direct relative of ours. And ask the Lord to show us so that we can bring those sins to him for repentance. And this is what Job was doing. And so I began to pray that prayer. Lord, please show me the sins that I have passed to my children. And that was based, Dad, out of Exodus 20, uh, the sins of the father to the son. Go ahead. That's right. And and so that I can bring them to to re, uh, to you for repentance, so that we can have these curses lifted from us. And as things would come to my mind, I would present them. And my wife and I pulled together some other couples in the church who had children, and we would also meet once a week, and we would share with each other about what was going on in the kids' lives, and then we would each pray. For the concerns of the other group there was about five of us couples doing that and we met for about two years doing that it was during that time that you were in the marines you were away and uh and we and we had no idea really the way you were living we didn't know we didn't know you didn't tell us and nobody else told us but you came home and you said later on when you were out you said you knew you were being prayed for am i right well, I, you okay? So let, yes, let me let me kind of get that. So that started while I was in the Marines, 
But then I came home, and after a period of time, it kept continuing. You all were praying. That's right. Because uh, in March of 1999, when I woke up one morning, uh, strung out on methamphetamines, I was uh, smoking about a half ounce of marijuana a week, drinking, uh, running around, doing everything you could ever imagine wrong uh, in this world. Uh, My wife was leaving me. I had no idea of this. I was a complete disaster. But uh, my daughter, just a few weeks, uh, about, excuse me, at the end of January, had been born right before this happened in March. And dad, because of my grandma, who's upstairs, who would take me to church as a little boy, right? And, and, and even when you were divorced from mom, uh, before you got converted, uh, when there was an opportunity, I would either go with, you know, if mom, we were somewhere where you would go or with uh, my other grandparents. But because they raised me to know about the Lord, that there was, in the times I had to go to church post year conversion, there was enough knowledge in here that when Elise was born, that I needed to teach her about Jesus, no matter what. So I decided I was going to start taking her back to church. And so I I remember being really high, going to church on the way back from church. And I really wasn't so much doing it necessarily um, for me in any way. I was doing it for her because... It was that training as a child that no matter how I was living, I needed to give her at least a fighting chance to not be like me. Because I would cry at night when I would hold her in my arms in the back room um, by the wood stove. We'd be walking around because she'd cry, and I would look at her, and I would just – I would start crying because I didn't want her to grow up and know that I was nothing but a a dope head, and it would tear me up so bad, but I couldn't quit no matter how hard I would try – so I was taking her to church. Well, little did I know, I started a friend of mine who shared a book with me. I began to read it. Uh, you might have heard of his name, uh, but excuse me, you don't know my friend who shared it, but you might have heard of the book that was shared with me called "The Day of the Lord Is at Hand," written by Benjamin Brook. And I began to read that book. And as I began to read that book, not knowing what was going on behind the scenes with yeah. you, Dad, and everything. We were praying. You were always. Yeah. Long time. And and you didn't know where I was at right then because I didn't communicate a lot. I didn't want to because it interfered with my lifestyle. And um, I like I said, I didn't know my wife was going to leave me. And I began to read this book. And as I started to read this book, um, it, it was 300 and some pages. It was full of so much scripture. Uh, Dad, I barely made it out of high school. That's a, You know that for fact. I barely made it. The first thing my mother did was open to my diploma and made sure my name was on there because it was almost impossible to believe that I made it. I didn't even buy a graduation uniform. Luckily, a friend of mine dropped out of school and I used his uh, to graduate in. So I here I am. I've taken her to church. I'm still getting high. And this guy gave me the book, The Day of the Lord is at Hand. As I'm reading it, Dad, uh, I'm I'm coming home late every day. I'm still getting high, but I'm reading this book even when I'm high. I can't stop. I I, I had no choice. This book, the Lord was starting to use it. And I didn't even know what, I didn't even know what God was doing because I I had trained, I knew a little bit in church about taking my daughter, but I didn't know about the power of God. I didn't know any of that stuff. It was it was theory. It wasn't. It didn't resonate with me. Well, what happens though, as you know now, that the spirit of the Lord 
as he visits you, as you ask him, even by reading his word, you are opening the door. The Spirit will visit you and will enliven your thinking and add energy to your thinking and 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 make changes that you don't even ask for but he knows that you're looking and he makes the spirit of the lord makes all the difference and sometimes we'll talk about that reading the scriptures and then reading them asking the spirit to guide you totally changes the picture but the holy spirit was working and i didn't even know it and the interesting thing was i didn't even know how to be saved I really didn't even know about being saved. I knew that you, you know, I'd heard about it. You want to end up in heaven, all these kind of things. But that was just, you know, I didn't, I thought maybe later in life I would get all that stuff kind of squared away. But I remember that as I was reading that coming home and I was driving down the road, not far from here. And I had the ego the size of Texas back then. Okay, I liked to fight a lot. I wanted people to know how tough I was. Um, you know, I just had a terrible ego. Uh, thank God when he turned my life around, I realized I didn't want to hurt anybody anymore. I just wanted to wanted to help people from that point. But back then, I wanted to hurt people. And, and so I was driving down the road, and, and I began to weep. And I started to weep incredibly hard. And it was kind of like this false wall that I was carrying all of a sudden began to crumble. And in a moment, and it was literally in a twinkling of an eye, all that fog that I had in my brain, it was like it was blown out in a moment. And as I was driving down the road and I realized that the Lord was coming, you know, again, and I realized that I needed to know the Lord and, 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 and be forgiven of my sins and all these things. That I, I started to weep because it was at that moment that God began to reveal to me that, Frank, you're going to die and you will end up in hell. Now, that doesn't sound very good to some people, but I'm going to tell you right now, I broke hard, even harder, and I cried and cried because I didn't want to go there. And I remember at that moment is when Jesus offered me a different way. Absolutely. And I was weeping uncontrollably, and I remember I cried out. Now, I had no idea how to be saved. I cried out with all my heart, and I said, God, I will give my life to you if you will take these drugs from me. And as I am sitting here with you today with my father right here, I met Jesus for the very first time when he came down in my vehicle and he saved my life. And I got born again right there in my vehicle driving down the road. Now, I'm a mile away from home at that point. I just had an experience of a lifetime that I'm truly not fully understanding yet, Dad, because it was so radical what just took place. I knew something had physically changed inside me. I reached down, grabbed all my drugs, threw them out in the window. It's in a, they were thrown in a field about a couple miles from here where we're at right now. And at that time, I lived in another house. And uh, I drove home. I ran inside. I told my wife. I said, listen, I've been doing drugs. I'm a mess. You know, like she didn't know. Okay. <laughs> but I lied so much. I thought maybe she didn't. She knew exactly what was going on. And I remember I said to my wife, I said, are you going to leave me? Not knowing she was already leaving. And she was kind of in shock at all the things I just dumped on her. She goes in the bathroom, shuts the door. I remember sitting on the couch and I was thinking to myself, 
I just had a life-changing experience, and now I'm going to lose my family. I couldn't believe it, Dad. It was like God had brought me this far, and now I was going to lose everything. I just had a brand-new baby girl, my first child. I just had my wife. I just told her, and I'm going to lose everything. And what seemed like an eternity and of crying and pleading and crying out, I don't know how long it was, but a little bit later, my wife comes out of the bathroom and I said to her, are you going to leave me? And she said, I'm not going anywhere. It's finished. The most amazing words ever in my life, except for being saved, was the moment I found out after that, that my wife wasn't going to leave. Amen. It's finished. Let me say something right here. You know what's hap- what was happening there? I can't speak for my father, but when I began to ask the Lord and to repent of my past and to ask him to reveal to me what was going on, God began to heal our generations. And what happened in healing for me and then presenting you then that healing began to travel down through our generations that were alive and we and what we are given is the privilege to initiate the healing in our family and it can trickle down to the youngest in the generations that we have and that is how we began to heal our families. Amen. I remember as soon as she came out, a little bit not long after that, I called you, Dad, on the phone. And I was crying. And I said, Dad, today I gave my life to Jesus. It took, blow me away. I, I didn't really know what to say if I remember correctly, except good. That's great. <laughs> and and you remember, Dad, I said, I'm not, I don't know if I, I if I heard it audibly or not. I don't know. It was such an amazing experience, but I knew. And I said, Dad, it's like God told me, I have answered your father's prayers. And that's when you told me that you had been repenting for the sins that you had passed down mm-hmm. to me yes. to break the curse. Yeah. Amen. Oh. Two years ago or so, I think it was, I had already had the privilege of being in the baptismal with my first daughter, Elise. A few years ago, I was going, my second, my other child, Sarah, was going to be baptized. And I remember her going in there and I said to the pastor that was going to baptize her, I said, can I come into the baptismal with, with her? And, um, were you there dad for that? Okay. You're there, Elise. And he said, uh, you're going to baptize her. And I was blown away. And as soon as I baptized her, we came up out of the water. I hugged her and I held her tight. I turned around and I said, if I die right now, mission accomplished. My whole family got saved. That's all I wanted. And to think the horrible pasts through the generations and to know that God broke the curse on our family and to be able to see my own children come to Jesus. I felt like at that moment I could go right then 
If I went right then, I have no regrets. Yes. Every mission accomplished. And the thought of feeling a child, or the thought and the feeling of your child coming to know Jesus. I don't know if there's anything greater in this world. That's right. Even after our own salvation, our children's becomes even more important. Yes. And it means more. You know, when when I remember back when I had been repenting and praying, and when my wife first, uh, wife Pam first said to me, let's invite some people over. You know, I, I wasn't even tuned in to this, but when we invited others to join in and pray for our children, I mean, my mind, my world was opened up into the vast need. And I would like to encourage anybody that's listening to this program that if we prayerfully ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and we begin to repent of our past and we ask for healing for our children and then if we bring other people together, I'm going to tell you something right now, that was one of the most powerful times we had spent those two years praying for our children. It's something that you should never pass on the opportunity. And if you have to, you initiate the opportunity. But it can be worth all that you've done in your lifetime to see your family, like Frankie said, to be saved. Amen. Well, folks, we wanted to share that with you tonight. And I'm so blessed to have my father here with me. And I'm so thankful, Dad, for all the the things that you stood for when I didn't, and that even though you may have done some things you weren't proud of, you didn't compromise because you felt like a hypocrite. You stood by the truth and a foundation. And folks, I had a lot of friends who were willing to support my cause of drugs and everything else, and they were not a friend at all. The best thing that ever happened to me was the day I lost my reputation And I lost all my friends because now I have new friends, friends in the Lord, friends in Jesus. I have family. I have grandparents. I've got right here in my house right now, I've got four generations of believers right here in the house tonight. Every one of us have had hard hardships in life, very hard. But God has been faithful. He's gotten us through, and he's not giving up till the very end when he's going to call this thing home and close it up forever. So with that, Dad, thank you for being on the show tonight. This yes. is Brother Frank and the old man Frank on the Remnant Call saying good night and shalom. Trumpet inside